0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Research VR Podcast. I am your host, Oz Balabanian, and with me today is Hassan Karuni and Vasanth Mohan from Fused VR. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us, Oz. Good to be here. Yeah, today we are doing things a little differently. Peter isn't co-hosting, and we're actually hosting this in Altspace VR, actually. It's a new, uh, it's one of the OG, obviously, social VR experiences. We're holding like swords and masts and staffs in our hands for some reason, but uh, because why uh, not? Yeah, because why not? We're in VR. I mean, I've
1: never played World of Warcraft, but I kind of always wanted to try that out. I feel like we're getting pretty close right now. Yeah, Just holding things. I feel so, like, yeah,
0: yeah. One day when we actually can touch these swords and staffs that we're holding, that'll be that'll be the day. Um, yeah. Before we jump into like news and whatnot, uh let's do a little short little introduction as to what you guys are doing. You have a really popular YouTube channel for VR developers that but like once a week you put out a video and a live stream teaching people how to use how to create things in VR and AR in uh using Unity. Yeah, right? Yeah, you, you hit it on the spot. I mean we we've even
2: had you on. Uh the goal of the YouTube channel really is to get more people creating in any way possible because we think VR and even AR, they just need a ton more content. Um, and that's really what's kind of holding it back. So anyway, we can help to actually get VR and AR just having a lot of more content and getting more
0: people developing is a huge win for us. Right. And yes, I mean, your YouTube channel actually, has been one of the resources that I've consulted to and find, <laughs> and you know, every time I search for something, how to do X in Y and that Y being like VR related in unity. You probably have a video on it, whether it's like how to teleport and just figure out how to set up your first you know VR environment, or how to do a lot more complicated things. And usually, I've seen I've seen it be kind of t- like timely with with a certain you know, game or movie coming out. Yep. Like how to do X <laughs> in that thing in VR. Uh, so it's been a huge resource. Uh, how how can people find it actually in YouTube? Uh, if you go to youtubecom man.
2: All of our videos are there. Um, we have anything from tutorials to our live streams. Our live streams are really a lot of fun for us to do, mm-hmm. and uh, we also have been recently doing creator chats, which we bring on someone from the community, and we just talk VR and like what they've learned and kind of just sharing that knowledge. So it's 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 just
0: so much fun to do. Yeah, awesome. We'll go a little bit deeper into you know what you guys have done and talk a little bit about how you're actually like putting these curriculums together but first let's Mm -hmm. jump into the news this week or i guess it's been about a week since our last episode the first thing we're going to talk about i think the biggest news of the week is the uh logitech's new tracker keyboard that they announced Mm -hmm. that it's basically a keyboard you can have with you in vr you know and that they do some clever things to show your hands with it uh, you guys, as developers, I think you'd probably be the target audience for this. Have they announced the consumer, or, or this was this kind of a developer kit that they're putting out? I don't know. It was
2: developer only? So the way I understood it was like they have like an application, and like only like fifty developers are going to get like this logic keyboard with the tracker. Actually, I don't even know if it comes with the tracker. It was kind of weird. And you yeah. guys, I guess you have to have like a specific application in mind um, in order to apply it. I don't really have one in mind at the moment. Um, I think it's a very yeah. interesting device, but right. uh, nothing really comes to mind, especially from the consumer side of how they would actually
0: use it. I'd be really disappointed if it doesn't just work as like a Steam VR object into any game. Like it seems, it sounds it like you have does. to like really, oh, it does, okay. But it sounded like you have to like implement to your own experiences, and that's why they're like doing SDKs. And developer kits out yeah
1: i was gonna say i mean either way it's interesting like i feel like in the ideal case it's just this tracked object that you can use in your game and have a keyboard but at the same time i feel like from a design perspective it's it just seems like it's a little lazy and not enough you know like
0: <laughs> i'd like seem- to
1: see more thought go into like keyboard input and typing in VR and I think there's been a lot in the space and it's awesome to have something for a keyboard that could just come out of the box but still I think there's a lot of space to think about when in VR what are other good ways to do
0: input it does seem a little tacked on that's for sure yeah like you know it's just a, it's essentially it's a corner with a five tracker on it and um, <laughs> I, I would like to see things that they could have done maybe with capacitive touch on the keyboard where like, you know, it, it can know if your fingers mm. are on it and then that's how we could figure out hand position and finger positions. But, um, mm-hmm. I guess skins are nice, right? Like you can put virtual skins on them. And, and I think yeah. where, the, where it gets interesting <laughs> is like specific games, like having button layouts with like, you can think of like diegetic UI coming off of like the key, yeah. keys on the, the keyboard. Like that would be mm-hmm. really cool. If you want to play like two D games I, in VR? It's it's interesting because I don't know
2: if they would do game if it's designed for games or if it's designed for
1: uh for actual applications. What do you think, Hassan? I think applications probably because I think about like the keyboard itself would be tracked, but you still need to put it down on something, which I feel like is interesting because that thing is mm. probably not tracked. So then. <laughs> I guess it works really well if you have a, like, seated VR application. Like, it would probably l- work really well in more enterprise or just, like, right. big screen type things. Um, in a game, I guess if you have a seated game, that this works, too. should be
0: too. a weapon, actually, like, hitting something <laughs> with your keyboard. Just that would be epic. <them>.
2: I I know that's going to be an
0: application. We know that's going to be an application. (laughs) Maybe we You heard it first. You'll see it on Fuse. Somebody's (laughs) going to
1: make a typing game out of it. I don't know when you guys were learning to type way back when, but I remember Mm -hmm. there were those games around if you type at certain words per minute, you get better guns and you can shoot zombies and stuff like that. And then there's Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing, which was not exciting at all dude
0: yeah the typing (laughs) games that i had to play in school had like bugs that you had to squash like (laughs) like nothing nothing gun related you're like frogger and you're trying to jump across (laughs) the streets
2: i think there was this game that i think it was either e mcneil or everyday vr made that it was like you have a bunch of like letters that are coming up to you and i think this was like dk two days like we barely even had like hand controllers even and so you just like you see these letters coming at you like spatially and then you have uh you just have to type the letters as they come um i remember it being surprisingly hard i can't remember
0: where i saw it but like i imagine a tracked keyboard would make this a lot easier totally yeah i can imagine that working perhaps i like with a leap motion or something like trying to see where your hands are but yeah I th- i think that's that's an interesting piece of news at least that There's more hardware people Mm -hmm. getting into it, and and, yeah, Logic would would probably be one of the first to do it.
1: Um, Have you guys ever heard of, just bringing up a point, um, I think Oz, we actually may have talked about this on the creator chat, but have you guys heard of the Twiddler before? It was a predecessor Mm -hmm. to to mobile keyboard input, so, well, I I don't know if it was a predecessor or if it came out after, but the long story short is that it was like a handheld, similar to the size of like a, a Rift touch controller and you could okay. type just by using your fingers. Like, oh. you didn't really need to look at anything. Right.
0: Um, it was like yeah, the and what they found, on your fingers, right? It was this thing that Similar you to that. Right, like, almost like a yeah. Punch. And it works really well. But the thing
1: is, is that it has a high curve, like a high learning curve. So people would default to keyboards and mobile mm-hmm. keyboards and touch input right. rather than use this thing. Because even though you could get faster in the long run, the initial curve
0: to getting used to it was too high. I mean, but I still want to see something like that for VR. I, I'm totally there with you. And I think that's also, you, you highlighted the reasons why, like, something like a Dvorak keyboard, like, doesn't, you know, yeah. wide, widely use, even though it's, yeah. you know, there's other keyboard layouts other than QWERTY that actually can do typing more efficiently. But um, mm-hmm. I'm, I think the one question I have with maybe humans will be it'll be easier for people to get to this type of typing would be and I haven't tried it yet, but with eyes, right? Like with eye tracking. That was what iFluence's mm. whole thing was, mm. was that they were really claiming that you could type really efficiently with um with their eye keyboard. And it's not by like squinting or like looking, but it's like very micro psychotic movements that you can do over things to select and, and like almost like swiping through the, the letters. But I don't know if that's gonna be like a thing like I have, like I said, I haven't even tried it, but it's the one that I, can... I, th- I think
2: uh, my guess would be it works for like short things, like maybe a username or password. Mm-hmm. But like, you're gonna get eye fatigue, especially like depending on how big that keyboard is. It might also depend on how accurate it is, but like, I feel like eye fatigue is probably the big concern there.
0: It's interesting to try. If anyone ha- here on the in- here, by here, I mean the audience. <laughs> uh, if <laughs> anyone has uh, tried iPhones or anything with eye typing, maybe with the Toby, you know, Vive headsets, mm-hmm. uh, let us know your thoughts. I'm actually very curious to to see what people think about it. So, the second piece of news I do want to talk about, and this is kind of a personal thing because I really, really like it. Echo Re- Echo Arena is now going to be permanently free on the Oculus uh store, on the Oculus Home Store. Wait, oh, really? Yeah, I didn't I hear that. that. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, news oh, to us. Oh my god.
0: Um, <laughs> it's I mean, I saw like all these Reddit posts leading up to it. They're like, "Oh, get it today. It's going to last it's going to be the last day Yeah. free." Like all this hype, and then they're like, "Oh, yeah, we're going to make it free." I feel like every every deal in VR is kind of sticking to that, like, you know, <laughs> even the Oculus uh Yeah. The, the the price drops and everything they're like oh it's going to end soon and then they're like we're just going to we're going to stick with this cuz it's it's actually like jk <laughs> yeah and this will kind of lead us i want to talk about this topic uh which you guys actually have i just watched a video that you did uh in terms of like the state mm-hmm. of vr uh from a developer's perspective oh, yeah. and is there any like money to be made right now as a you know indie developer and in you know why are these and how these mm-hmm. prices pricings are working should we talk about that now? Yeah, we can we can get into it a little bit now. So you had Hi. a video We had a video this week, right? Yep. About- Just yesterday actually. Yeah. Oh, nice. That popped up on my subscription feed. <laughs> and why don't you yeah, I guess you can give us a little summary in terms of what your, your points were.
2: Yeah. Um so at like level, it's I mean, constant it, it, it was a little more about like how we've evolved since the Rift first launched way back when like Lucky's Tale was the actual launch title. And it was a time when we didn't even have hand controllers for the Rift. We only had a gamepad, which is on, I think we can all agree that that's such a lousy input mechanism. And basically just kind of talking a little bit about how much we've evolved from that state and what's been like a year, a year and a half. It's like not much time. Um, and so anyone like it it's just like one of those things to address like is v r failing yes no, blah, blah 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 blah, like it's like i mean if you if you're talking about like where we were back then, maybe, but like we we've grown so much, and like headsets are in so many people's hands now, like not not as much as I think we would all want, but like it's still in this very much growing state, and it's growing pretty fast,
0: and that's so cool, right, yeah. just not as quick as. You know the early numbers and predictions that would come from random, yeah. You know, analyst groups. Who like, you, know, you, you remember those? You know, like one was like super, yeah. You know, or like, Jeez. I don't know. We everybody would use them in their pitches. You know, like, look, money. Exactly. Like, it's it's yeah. all it's all hockey sticks.
1: <laughs> well, what's frustrating about it is there's so much, especially from just popular media, so much incentive to just sensationalize things right. and warp numbers. And I mean it even oh, applies yeah. to the the analyst places. I mean, sure you have bigger places, like I guess Gardner would be one example where they don't want to put out false posts because they have a long term reputation, but you could think about other places where they just wanna have like this crazy forecast that everybody needs to read and then charge like five hundred bucks for people to get access to it. It really sucks. Like sensationalizing the tech space. Is just something that it it goes bigger than VR, but has definitely impacted VR too.
0: Yeah, no, I and I think developers are the ones that are like suffering from it the most because yeah. So there was an interesting post that I read this week, and I I don't think it's an isolated incident in terms of like sales numbers that they they were kind of the only ones that put out. the, The developer I'm talking about is. Uh, are the people behind uh, Serious Sam, like, down in... Mm. I believe mm-hmm. they're from Croatia. Uh, the studio... What was the studio. Called? Oh, yeah. The Crow the team? team? I think that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Great, great group of people. Um, One of the developers recently just, in a Reddit comment, basically posted that, like, yeah, our newest, you know, the Solus project that they put out, which I had read, like, good things on Reddit about only sold 5,000 mm-hmm. copies, and they're like, I don't mm, know man. if we can keep <laughs> making vr games and they're so they're i think yeah. are one of the, the more supportive developers of vr because they've put up maybe a, four, three or four titles already and they've been mm-hmm. you know, like remakes of older things but like they've just been consistently pushing and pushing so i don't know it's i mean it was sad to hear that and in terms of like i get it if you're not one of the big titles that just like keeps getting talked about on reddit mm-hmm. um there, I feel like there isn't that much money to be made from that. Like there are definitely profitable companies in VR and, and especially games. but Yeah. Yeah. What are you guys thoughts in terms of reading numbers? Like I mean, that? I, th- I think we can take this back
2: to Echo Arena. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's great that it's free, but like that's money they're losing and I don't know how popular Lone Echo is versus Echo Arena and I also don't know Know what Oculus like? How much money Oculus is putting into like actually making Echo Arena an eSport? Which maybe that's like the long-term goal, and like I think that's great. But like right now, it, it's almost the inverse problem of what Sir Sam is having and the, what the Solus project is having. Is that I'm sure they have probably tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of downloads, but if they didn't make any money off of Echo Arena, like that's a problem for them too. It's which, we're we're in this interesting state of like like, how do you actually make money in VR? And that's, like, the really tricky part that I don't know anyone has a solution for right now. And that's, again, one of those things going back to, like, we're going to have to keep evolving.
0: It's just scale. Yeah. I mean, it's it's honestly scale. And and when yeah. the scale isn't all there for smaller, more niche titles to really take off, then, you know, you <laughs> can't really expect that to, like... Exactly. You know, you have to make something good, and it has to be... <laughs> like talked about a lot and like they have to do a lot of things correctly to be like one of the the, the top titles. Like for a PUBG to to take off kind of situation. Yeah. And that that's that's mm-hmm. a whole other story in terms of like PC <laughs> space. You know, that's insane for a developer to come out of nowhere and put out a title that can yeah. that's had the most concurrent users online, I think. That exactly. Correct? I think that's right. I think so.
1: Yeah, and I'd summarize it as I think uh, for a lot of developers, it's only worth really getting into the space right now if you're in it for the long haul and excited about the journey and experimentation. Mm-hmm. Going back to the whole sensational media concept, I think that for a long time it was pitched as get into VR, it's hot, you can make millions and whatnot, but <laughs> it that's really not the case. Like it's so hard to reach people like we're talking about, hard to make money. It's also hard to make something that's that's good. Um it's easier than I think some people expect, but it's still not easy. And so I think that it only makes sense if you're in it for the journey and willing to go through all of the ups and downs that come with it.
0: Yeah. And and once scale comes around, I think with mobile, there is going to always be, there's going to be a market that is willing and hungry to buy content. And I mean, we do have that now, but it's just not, You know, it's all relative in terms of like how much money can be made if 10% of total users know about your game and you know, 10% of that, Mm -hmm. buys it like, does that equal the amount of money that you've spent on the project? And, and that Mm -hmm. changes with Mm -hmm. different platforms, but,
2: um, well, it makes me think of, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, uh, I mean, I was, I wanted to dive a little bit onto the mobile space because we have. ARKit <laughs> Same AR Kit and AR core time. that are coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um and Hassan and I were both at this meetup on Tuesday, right? I think yeah. it was Tuesday. Halloween. Um, Woo. <laughs> <laughs> where uh we were demoing and we there was a bunch of other people who had already l- released AR Kit apps. And I mean, you would think that ARKit has the scale that you're talking about where it's uh millions and millions of users. And yet we talking to each of these developers, we're like, wait a second, like they're not really they're they're in the same boat as all these VR developers. And so I think even when we think about scale, it's not always necessarily about the number of headsets that are out there or the number of devices that support it. It's also about the number of users who are willing to experiment. And that has to grow as well. And that's a different problem that has to deal yeah. with marketing and like getting users in that mood
0: and also i think the saturation of a certain market. right like there aren't that many mm. mobile apps that are being downloaded on a consistent basis because you already have your your habits and your, and yeah. your silos that you go into and, and that's why like people are looking to jump into new platforms like this but yeah you're totally right like ar kit and ar core like you can call that as fatty as it can get in terms of like the hype yeah, that exactly. we built the summer over it. And <laughs> it, like, I, th- I still think it's going to be applied pretty well. And, and on that news, actually, Amazon uh, announced this week that they are mm-hmm. integrating, you know, uh, basically real scaled uh, AR kit or AR-, AR core views of your furniture or whatever item yeah. you want to buy. So you can preview it mm-hmm. on your table and desk, and everything will be portional. I mean that's cool, right? Like that's that's where I think this yeah. t- all of all of these tools are going to be used, rather than creating an entire app around it. Which I think some people have, but yeah.
1: So that's really interesting, and I just want to tell more about that meetup that we went to because I think it was yeah. really what telling was ob- in a lot of ways. It was uh, ARBA. I think that's augmented reality Bay Area. Um, yeah. So they must have some around, I think. Uh, but what was interesting about it is that. This was a crowd of people that had been going to these meetups over and over again. They were very focused on augmented reality. We were setting up a demo for a game that we're building, and we took a a few seconds to ask the audience questions. We asked them, how many of you have tried an AR kit app? And out of an audience of about 60 or 70 people, maybe like five hands went up. Wow. And I mean, this is San Francisco. (laughs) It's an AR meetup. And five at out of Unity. 70, yeah, at Unity headquarters. And maybe five out of 70 people have tried an AR experience. So mm. there's definitely something to, I mean, we could reach a lot of people, but people are still figuring out a lot about AR and VR. Um, and then you, you were talking about just AR kind of being some icing on the cake instead of the, the cake itself. And mm. one of the members of Unity, his name's Greg Madison, he was talking about that trying to layer AR kit AR core and AR functionality into existing uh, use cases rather than building entire apps or experiences around them he thinks that's a really promising direction to go in
0: right i think we we in being in the thick of it all in terms of like the industry and and, and all the technology that we know you know we read up on every week but sometimes it's that approach leads us to like get too shoehorned into the, the technology that we're using or like we have to, you know, apply this to that and, and kind of like yeah. putting the, what, what's the, what's the term? Like putting the, the wagon before the horse or something. Yeah. Something yeah. to that extent. <laughs> um, I'm so bad with, with these English terms. But anyway, let's go with it. Um, except, yeah, like the approach, I think sometimes can be wrong where you're trying to, you know, you have the solution to without the problem and you're trying to find where that problem but sometimes it the it, better integrations come because you're you have the problem and you're like oh I think a camera would would work really well in this situation um, like Amazon's yeah so
2: anyway, and, and I think it's okay to to have the, the wagon before the horse or like having the solution before you actually find the problem right but I think it's it's the the, the real issue is like dwelling on it and like trying to keep like making things work as opposed to like experimenting seeing if it actually works and then trying to fail early and then Moving on from what you've learned. Um, I think that's the real problem that we need to actually fight
0: (laughs) Great great point. Yes I mean It's really good to experiment and maybe perhaps you do have the solution to something you're like I know this is going to be useful. I don't know what for but it has so much potential So yes, you have to iterate on that those ideas and see what's actually going to stick but yeah. Um so let's oh. move let's move on to our next <laughs> topic. So Microsoft is joining OpenXR and B be, is becoming a decisive backer in an open royalty-free VR AR standard. Hooray, hooray. We have <laughs> people <laughs> never to. saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. we're we're just happy that they're agreeing to a standard. I don't know if there's more news to cover in terms of talking about this um, subject. Well, know, what do you guys think? Yeah.
2: I mean, I I think standards are great. I think the my big problem with the whole open XR and I think this also in part in part goes with the Chronos group is it f- almost feel like there's a bunch of elite people that are trying to set rules without having to experiment. If we're going back to that theme and yeah. like mm. and like I mean it almost feels like because I mean, we're we're pretty close with the Vrtk community. Um, and those guys, they're constantly experimenting and just adding a bunch of features to this really open and amazing platform for developing on. And I mean, I, I haven't followed up with like their their affiliation with like this open XR movement. And like while I think it's great that we're moving to open standards, i it almost i I don't want to get shoehorned into this issue of like, this is the only open standard, right. which I feel like a bunch of these big players might be going towards, which I'm like, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I, I could see negative consequences also happening from no,
0: that. No, that's really interesting to hear. It does do the VRTK. Actually, we, we should probably introduce some VRTK is a, uh, a company and a group of people that have put together mm-hmm. a set of tools for Unity, for, for, to have like all the standard i don't know i've, I've used it for like locomotion and teleportation and scale yeah. um, tools that you don't have to like rebuild yourself if there's already um yep. a kit like that um yeah. and and you guys use them a lot for your tutorials um yep. this is a great place place to start but um yeah what are their thoughts in terms of this like do, does it are there kind of conflicting interests when it comes to building like a vrtk type of toolkit and open expert. I mean, I don't think That's it's part. like, or sorry, go ahead.
1: go ahead. Well, I think it just follows on what you were saying before, which is that if we acknowledge that the space is very nascent and still has a lot to develop and change over time, then a concern that I have is that if you have these big companies and like Vasanto was saying, people who aren't necessarily boots on the ground and implementing stuff, deciding the standards then it's very possible that at the end, just because they were really big places, they end up setting the tone for a lot of the trends in the industry. And they neglect the voices of the people who are doing the boots on the ground stuff and being open source and getting feedback from the whole world. And I think it's just like there are parallels to, say, the Internet or mobile, other tech trends. I mean, a concern for any big boom is that if you don't have everybody involved, and have it all open in the very beginning, then it's very possible to develop standards and trends that aren't reflective of everybody's opinions. So I mean, that's more of a philosophical concern, but I think it ends up affecting development too. And it's not to say that it's
2: like a bad thing. I think it's really good that these companies are working towards a standard, especially especially on the hardware side. Um, it's just like there are also, like, there- it's always a double-edged sword to things, and so it's a fi- kind of figuring out, like, let's, let's try to focus on the good stuff and avoid the bad stuff that might happen.
1: Right. Yeah, and make sure everyone's involved, too, or the right people are involved, I guess.
0: I guess my take on it is I haven't really seen or used anything from this whole OpenXR group, right? Like, VRTK is a lot more useful to me, so perhaps, I guess, by... I guess to contradict that point, Microsoft is now it supports like Steam VR because of this as well, which I guess is a, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big benefit of having group. But I don't know if this piece of news actually means that right now the Steam VR um, compatibility is released for the Microsoft MR headsets. Do You guys know anything about that? I don't. Well, we should. Sorry, maybe.
2: I like lagged out like crazy there. No <laughs> worries. You have like a TLDR of that question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, asking. Again. <laughs> um do you know if Steam VR is now compatible with the Microsoft headsets? Uh not yet. I think that's
2: coming in a month. I think that was the last I heard.
0: I haven't heard anything else since then. I Feel like everything is a month away. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and speaking of actually, this week some news got out that HTC is going to be showing off their Google Daydream, you know, six stuff headset in china Mm. and uh that i think they're having a a conference an event there and that's going to be interesting to see at least you know i don't think we've seen anything so i feel like there's a little bit of misinformation
2: going on so there's there are two headsets so one is i think i forget the names one is like a china only standalone headset that i think has been out for a while Hmm. and then the other one is like the more I don't know, international headset or if it's the the U.S. headset, which is the one that they announced at Google I.O. It's possible that they show it at this China conference. But like, I also feel a little skeptical about it because of the fact that there exists this like China only headset and the conference is
0: happening in China. I didn't know about this China only headset. I did hear one thing that they were going to release This headset in china first but i think you might be more right if there is if there are two different things happening yeah well it's it's that specific headset it's it's whatever
2: headset was like china there's like a china only only headset i think the confusion might have been like people thought it was going to be china only and then expanded out to the us but i don't i think it's just china only and there's a separate headset that's actually for the rest of the world
0: which is kind of weird but Okay. Are they <laughs> the fragmentation is crazy? Are they all sixed off? Are they both to, like six degrees of freedom, or is one kind of? Uh,
2: I'm not a hundred percent sure. I thought both were sixed off, but I'm yeah, I'm not. I, I thought they were very similar, and it was also very confusing news when I read it. But like, it seemed like they're very they're two similar headsets, but one is China only, and then the other is still TBD makes
0: sense.
2: Well, so, well, well, I'm I'm excited for that conference. I just don't know what's going to be at, actually announced. So, I'm kind of skeptical that there's actually going to be an announcement at that conference, but we'll never know. True. Um cool.
0: I think we'll that's it for news this week and uh we'll let's talk a little bit about you guys, our guests today and I'll Just as a reintroduction, you guys are from Fused VR, uh, a pretty popular YouTube channel for tips and help and and streams on how to develop things using unity Uh, and i think you guys have mostly just covered vr and ar i don't know if you've like wanting to go any further than that but that's that's definitely a huge um need is just a need for developers mobile has a ton obviously like we've had it for about 10 years now people know how to build ios and android apps and uh you, like 3d i think is not an inherently intuitive thing for developers to know yeah you, not at all let's talk a little bit about your backgrounds um what were you guys doing five years um let's i don't know if you guys are that old let's maybe, yeah let's say five years <laughs> five ago. years ago i was in
2: college right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. five. let's do some math
0: <laughs> uh yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> yeah exactly
2: right uh i was okay. graduating high school <laughs> so that's <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I could go first. Um, sure, could, go for it. Go,
1: yeah, sure. go for so it. So about five years ago, uh, I was definitely in college. Uh, both of us went to Stanford. That's actually where we first kind of met up, um, and then actually it was once we graduated that we started working together more. But five years ago, I actually was studying political science um, mm. and hated all sorts of tech and engineering. But then. Uh, If you spend enough time at Stanford, I think you kind of get absorbed into the tech bubble. So that's what happened to me. I ended up focusing a lot on design. Um, That's like human-computer interaction and um, just user experiences with tech was really exciting to me. And that's eventually what got me into VR and AR. Studying web and mobile design were really exciting because you have tons of users, but there are also tons of just very tried and true design methods, whereas with VR and AR and just 3D in general, a lot of that stuff is a green field. Like there's so much to to just learn and experiment with and that's what drew me to the stuff that we're doing now with used VR. I mean, we're, we're teaching people, but there's also a, a heavy element of experimentation and prototyping and that's really fun with VR and AR.
0: I think what you just said there, in terms of design, is still very much true today. Like we were, we've been saying yeah. for like two years. You know, like it's still a green field, and for the most part, like I still see new and novel things and and, and polished apps all the time. I'm like that's really neat. I haven't, I haven't thought of that. And um, I think we'll still have the like another three, four more years of just really maybe cool longer, maybe even longer. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it, things don't because just, as the hardware changes, that changes too. Right. Exactly. And I think the hardware is not even done yet. Um. Yeah. And Vasanth, what, what, where? I guess five years ago. Vasant, yeah. Where, where did you start? So five years ago, this when was when was the Rift
2: DK one announced? Was DK1, that around five years ago? Yeah. That's like crazy. That's crazy. So I didn't. Well, I I don't even remember if I heard of the Kickstarter or not. But like, yeah, we were we were in Stanford in our own little bubble because that's what Stanford does. <laughs> and uh I mean, I guess my VR. I I guess like I, I knew I wanted to do 3D work and specifically at the time it was more about games. So that's when I kind of started picking up Unity and this was like Unity 3. Mm. So that's like four three or four versions ago. It's kind of crazy. And then uh my senior year I joined the Stanford VR lab, uh VHO, which uh they focused a lot more not so much on the development side of things, but kind of the psychology and the, the impacts that VR can have um, as you start to, to believe in the presence um, and things of, like, of that nature. So uh, it's, it's a very interesting lab uh, that you might, you might think that they were doing unity at the time, but no, they were doing mm-hmm. something called like world which mm-hmm. is in Python. Um, I think they've, finally started to adapt into unity. But, uh, it's one of those things where like you're in research for a long time that you start like the technical technology finally catches up and then like worlds past you type of thing. Um, and like my senior year, it was definitely, (laughs) definitely the case that we were a little behind. Um, (laughs) so yeah, that was fun. And then it was basically, I, at that point, uh, kind of left school, um, started looking at ways or like where the vr industry was and we we were working on a project which is basically turning your phone into a controller for for especially mobile vr and it was at that point we like we looking at the industry and like who would use it and we found there were like practically zero developers and so <laughs> it, it was um it was at that time where, like, okay, look, we we got to fix that problem. So let's uh, start a YouTube channel. Let's uh, put out tutorials, and um, it's been a whirlwind process since then to like put out tutorials every week, um, or at least a video every week, just covering new topics and just kind of educating about the space and what we've learned, and just sharing that knowledge.
0: Let's see how many how many videos do you have out so far? Do you know the account? Oh, I'm looking at your channel actually, scrolling. Uh, down. Um, Hmm. It's probably Your first like video. Your first I feel video. like it's. Let me see. Your first video was two years ago, or first?
2: Uh, yeah, we didn't like. We had like a few random videos that I've like just left up there about like the actual like Navi, which was that hand controller application I talked about. Right. Um, there were probably like six or seven, maybe eight of those types of videos, and then uh it was in April. April of 2016 that we actually started uh, doing weekly tutorials. So that since then, I think it's been about like 80 or
0: 90. Yeah, yeah. That's a good amount. Actually. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a few, obviously YouTube videos on, on random development things, but like no one that's been consistently added. Like you guys are. Um, so props also to that, the dude, spread spread.
1: Detail. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you talked about, um, Unity and AR and VR. And that's true. De- definitely the, the biggest bucket and the best way to generalize it. But we have some that are on building a first person shooter, others on bows and arrows, some on web VR, uh, much to the displeasure of
0: Vasant. <laughs> um yeah, you don't like on VR. 2D stuff. <laughs> Not <funny>. a fan. <laughs> uh, do you, you want to talk about that for a second? Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, just, I'd love to hear it. So, I mean, I guess that means Hassan's going to be pro-WebVR and I'm going to be anti-WebVR.
0: Well, if you yeah, want okay. <laughs> to make this into, like, the CNN cross, Crossfire show, you know, where we sit here, I'm, I'm the moderator. You guys are, like, left side, blue side. All right. All right, get at it.
2: <laughs> all right, let's do it. Um, all right, I'll start. Uh, okay, so I think my big problems with WebVR are... I think some of them have been fixed, but I think the biggest problems are, especially now, that performance. Two, I just don't think that HTML um, and JavaScript are the right ways to go about programming for a 3D environment, because, I mean, especially if we think of, like, frameworks like A-Frame, um, I think some of this is changing, but, like, things like a frame where you're like manually typing in numbers for like the position and rotations and scales of thing mm. it's just not the right visual approach to how you should be designing for a 3d world and that's that's probably one of my bigger problems with it um i did i do think from a consumer side it could be nice um but i think even there there are also big problems because like literally if you go to like the like if you if you're trying to download a vive or a rift app you're going to Steam or the Oculus store. You're not going to a web browser uh to actually find it. And even if you do find it, it's gonna be a pain in the ass to actually find the headset and then put it on at that time that you actually find a VR, like a VR content. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just like fundamental problems with the consumer side and the development side for now, up until now, and I think probably for the next several years that really make me dislike having to use it.
0: I mean yeah. it, it's access is definitely a, a big concern right and I feel like with VR it's always kind of going to I don't know it, it, when you run across like a random v- piece of VR thing when you're on your laptop or a computer you like, yeah. there's barely any point where you're like I'm going to go put on my headset to view this rather than like this is a VR yeah. session I'm going to sit down and do things that are in- include in VR but but even with mobile things uh with mobile apps starting to experiment more with like instant apps i think google has uh on, on the google play store where you don't actually have to download the full app but like it downloads the essentials that you need and just so you can kind of instantly yeah. go through into it mm-hmm. Do you think there's a future with that in, in for vr and ar or you know what i mean when <sighs> actually- that's
2: yeah that's it's a good point and it's actually another reason why i don't like mobile vr is the streaming content because i mean if you look at most, uh, apps that are out there on the store right now, they are probably two to three gigabytes worth of content. Um, at least the good ones. And you're not going to be streaming that much content in. you're, you're still going to have a wait period. And the problem with streaming of course, is that you have to re download the content every time as opposed to having it locally. Mm-hmm. And that that's also a pain on the, the user experience too. So I'm, I'm not
1: sure. Good point. Good points. Yeah, but I mean, I'd add Hassan, in, I think that, give us your well, up. a key point, <laughs> <laughs> that, that just thinking about some of the stuff that Vasanth mentioned, like, I'm not too worried about the tools, because I agree that it is weird in HTML or A-Frame to be entering in, you know, three, um, like 360 coordinates pretty much, or mm. um, three dimensions of coordinates, but that stuff is going to be addressed and already is, like, A-Frame has... An inspector they added something into the default web inspector so that you can drag objects around in a scene similar to something mm-hmm. like unity so I'm not too worried about the tools but I think the, the big question is one that you brought up around how do people actually get to the experience I think that maybe a year or two ago it seemed a lot more reasonable that somebody would be sitting down and they would have a rift set up at their computer they would be browsing online they would see something and then they would put the rift on now that seems, I don't know, less and less feasible, especially because standalones are coming really fast. So mm-hmm. I would say that's even an open question for me and something that the web VR community needs to figure out. Like, How are people actually going to get to these apps? What's the, the dominant way right. to interact with VR going to be? It might be through these stores. But the, the promise that, that we've seen with WebVR is that web developers can really easily make the jump into VR development. That's really exciting to see. And then second, just the concept, like we were talking about before, of just using VR or AR to layer onto an existing experience, I feel like that is the promise of VR: that you go to a website that's fully functioning, has its own 2D version, and then you hit a VR button to get something a little specialized towards what you want. And that would be really cool. But I just don't know, and we need to figure out, especially with the standalones, if that's how people are going to be interacting with, with VR content. Like, when somebody puts on one of those standalones, are they going to be browsing the web, or are they
0: just going to be jumping into an app store? Right. I think I have two thoughts on that. And one being that the uh, the environment that I see standalone headsets being used the most, or, or a, a big environment, one of the main use cases would probably be kind of like in bed, or when you're like lying down you know you know how much you use your phone or your mm-hmm. computer you know just to browse yeah. or whatever watch something when you're in bed before and after you go to sleep um not after after you wake up um <laughs> but uh, and the the second thing i wanted to address was that perhaps like the web vr approach the a-frame approach to these things will probably make sense the most when it when you're up and about in the world and like especially with an ar let's let's say that we actually get to a point where we all we do have headsets right ar headsets that we can walk around in mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. probably a few years away from it but how, what's going to be the main point of content coming into your into your eyes from that is it going to be siloed through some of these networks that we already have mobile or is it going to be like more like you get to a piece of content location based where you have access to it from everywhere, but you'd have specialized things at specialized locations. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. where the web started, started to become more of a uh, thing for um, actually accessing content. I don't know. What do mm-hmm. you guys, in terms of AR and web VR, making a, a bigger point for that? As as in, I guess, like having a specialized headset for both. Um, no, no. I just mean totally I in think... terms of like. I think I get the point in, of VR. If it's going to be a, a thing that you, you know you have at home on a computer or even standalone, and the mm-hmm. apps downloaded are, is actually way more convenient than trying to access you know the internet and, and being able to stream everything through every time. Yeah, but with AR yeah. perhaps where you don't actually have to s- create an entire environment, right? It's maybe just certain elements and small mm-hmm. polygon objects that you're accessing. Um, that becoming like more important for AR. Know, that was. Uh, my I brand think
2: of that's VR. yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I think it actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially with Google's even making strides with this with I think what they're calling it Web XR, but it's really just Web AR. Um yeah. where yeah, you're just downloading like a piece of content. That said, um I don't I don't know what the actual format of that's gonna look like. It might be a web AR type of thing, or maybe it's just gonna be like you set up a script and like an object associated with that. And then it just interacts with the world as opposed to like having to build a whole experience yourself. Right. Um, and I think that kind of depends on how consumers are going to interact with AR and there's still a lot of experimentation that needs to be done even from like the user usage point of view and what they actually want to do.
0: You guys have been building AR apps recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. app. Thanks. Yeah, we got started a few months ago, actually,
1: but just um, we saw that ARKit came out. That was incredibly exciting. Before, we had done some HoloLens tutorials, but mm-hmm. we saw it's a big problem there that <laughs> there wasn't that big of an audience. I mean, how many people have HoloLens that they're trying to develop? Not that many. But then <laughs> ARKit came out, and we did some tutorials on that. We were having a lot of fun. The integration with Unity is pretty solid, really incredible. And so then we started developing a game for it. It's named Artillery Bay and then um, do you wanna talk a bit about it yeah, um
2: also cool. real quick on the the unity interface um we got to we got a chance to to meet the person who was actually developing at it at, at yeah. Unity at the event we were at cool. so that was really really awesome really awesome dude yeah give him and a uh, yeah so the the premise of the game uh his name is uh Jimmy, I think his Twitter handle is uh at Jimmy Jam Jam. Nice. So you can you can follow him there. And or definitely just check out the Unity
1: blog and you'll definitely find articles written by him. Yeah, he's all over the forums too. If you go on the AR Pit forum and ask a question, this guy has been answering tons of them. Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> it just goes to show how great the community is. But uh yeah, yeah so our game, um, it's called Artillery Bay. It's a local multiplayer type of game. Um, kind of this kind of hybrid between, like, multiplayer, Bullet Hell. Um, You're basically, you're set on this bay. Um, You have all the players are represented by ships, and you're trying to uh, last for as long as possible, shooting out ships. Uh, We've got, like, a variety of ships, a giant boss ship that you're going to take down. Each one's unique, um, and you're just trying to get the high score really simple. Um, We're trying to make it simple, but, like, we also think that there's a huge value to the multiplayer component of things Mm -hmm. um, that just makes it so much more fun. Is Definitely.
0: it is it released? Wanna... Not yet. No, so, uh,
1: we're about two months out. Nice. It's been a fun journey of developing it. I mean, the design questions for AR are so <laughs> extensive, and the exp- need to experiment is even more than VR. I mean, they both have a huge need for experimentation. But a lot of the fun has been just around learning what works and what doesn't, and trying out different things with AR kit
0: no completely i mean even input is is a huge uh, yeah. uh it's a huge question to be answered for arkit games and apps uh how so tell us a little bit of, in terms of the design of of this game like how did you approach it what what kind of decisions um did you have to decide on <laughs> to to create these games
1: sure, we'll so i mean the but... design
0: right, mm-hmm. go for it
1: Well, there's just so many that we're both eager to jump in, and we'll probably have different ones, too. But I feel like one of the most basic ones that we know from coming in from, especially having background with HoloLens, is um, there might be a formal term for this, but we just on our team call it the windowing effect, which is that for HoloLens, when you see the demo videos, it looks awesome. Like, there's this whole world around you that seems like it's augmented and has these 3d visuals but in reality you actually have a really small uh, field of view and window into this augmented world and the same thing is true on a mobile phone when you're using ar kit or ar core so one of the first design things that we let's had to realize stop. let's stop for a second
0: um i don't know if mm-hmm. you're hearing this but like your voice is becoming pretty just like low bit rate right? garbled i don't know if you're uh-huh. on wi-fi i was hearing it from you for i I'm really? not hearing. It, can you though. can you hear yeah. anything? Or what? How I sound?
2: I've been hearing it as a little bit of garbled garbled for Hassan. I thought Hassan. it was mine on my side. Oh, okay. um, I'm hearing. Yeah, it as but well. it is. Well, just
0: is it still, still going? going? Yeah. Uh, also, it came in like ten yeah, minutes ago. Also,
2: online. also one thing is I think I just found out my battery is like at fifteen percent. Okay. So okay. let's let's wrap so it up. I right.
0: can join on PC, but like yeah. Either I do. Well, let's wrap yeah. this up in the next like few like five minutes or so. How about that? Okay. And your phone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see. Well, I don't
1: know if I should jump back in if it's gonna be
0: uh, choppy. Is it still? Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Okay.
1: Song, take it away. Make sure to talk about windowing. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> and then um, what else would be a big one? uh I'll wing it.
2: Multiplayer um, is always fun. There's yeah, a, there's I'd like Scale so, and multiplayer unless uh,
1: cool. is more yeah, stuff. I'll too. ask
0: I'll ask the question again. Yeah. <clears throat> um so for the design of your AR kit game or AR core uh, uh, let's let's start it again. <laughs> for uh the design of your mobile <laughs> AR game, can you I guess kinda tell me some of the features that you guys have to really think through and, and have to actually design for? Um yeah. yeah.
2: Uh I mean geez, there's there's Definitely, so much, especially because Eric, it's like there's no one. you It can came talk out about, what three months ago, and yeah. like exactly, right. <laughs> we're we're on our own here. So, I mean, high level, like we're we're thinking one one like this is kind of. I'm just gonna rehash what we said during our meeting, our the our meetup, because like there's so much there. Uh, one, we really think um, multiplayer, just having people in the same space, like playing with each other, like is so valuable to to increasing the engagement that's something that Hassan and I like we play our game like single player it's it's all right it's fun and then we do multiplayer it's like tens of times way more fun just like like seeing someone die or like trying to trying to save someone there's just a lot of interactions that really make multiplayer unique in that sense um and it, you see it also with Pokemon Go also like you have these these people that are on They're in their own kind of virtual world but they're they're able to play together and that's what like really makes it unique so we definitely think there's something there um, the other thing is just like input wise we feel like ar especially now uh, i mean we talked a little bit about how at that meetup like only five out of like 70 or 80 people had actually tried ar and so we have to keep that in mind when we design like there are things about like this might be someone's first time trying ar and like you want to make it intuitive for them um but also engaging at the same time and one of the easiest ways to do that is by by basically making it less as, having less is more which basically means provide little but make that little really really important and impactful um this is kind of it kind of goes back to like even basic game design where like if you take a look at mario there's like a there's such, there's such a good video on like someone breaking down the the first level of Mario right, and how right. they're just like these, like many little details that like the player's not going to notice and that, that they already have like this very limited input and yet they're so able to have so much fun. Um, exactly. so it's really taking that and expounding upon that into this new medium. So that's, that's another design detail. That's, that's incredibly hard. And then the last thing is this windowing effect, which is, um, this is, Hassan's done some several tutorials on the Hololens, and like right in the, in that specific in those specific cases, you have a very small window where augmentation happens. The same thing's true with mobile AR, where it's a little bigger than like the field of view that you would get on the Hololens, but still relatively small. So you basically have to make sure that any any details you want have to be within that window at all times. To help guide the user to either walk around, or rotate their phone, or do anything of that nature to basically get them to do what you want. So keeping keeping the window in mind is a huge, huge important factor. And there's like there's a lot of tons of other like mobile AR specific ones, but uh, these are kind of like the high level ones that we really think are impactful um, for first time
0: AR developers. Cool, that's a great set of points. I think uh, I want I'll click. Quickly, I want to mention the the Mario kind of guidelines that you were talking about. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think I recently saw it in a video as well, where like if you look at the first screen that you get when you're going through, you know, World yeah. One, it teaches you how to jump over. Um, it teaches you how to jump over enemies, land on them, and kill them jump and exactly it's two two you know question mark boxes that just give you money and one that gives you yeah. the mushroom yeah. and so you and then the next the next screen after that are the two pipes and learning how to jump at variable heights and those that essentially yeah. is the entire game right like in within two the first two screens you've learned everything in a very <laughs> native way so yeah that's a great guideline to kind of uh try and emulate yeah
2: i think there's a, a the, the video, I think, was... It's an interview with Miyamoto on Fox. So I'm mm-hmm. sure if you like Google that, you'll be able to find it.
0: That must be where I'm copying this from. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, awesome. Well, th- thank you guys for being here. This has been a really fun uh, podcast. How can people find you, specifically, and Fused VR? So um, you can find us on
2: Twitter, at Fused VR, and you can find us on YouTube, at youtube.com slash fusedman.
0: Awesome. And you are Fuseman on Twitter, or I guess, or you are the Fuse... Yeah,
2: I'm Fuseman on Twitter. Awesome.
0: <laughs> and Hazan, I'm the one and only. I'm <laughs>
1: uh, not very active on Twitter. Might get on Instagram, uh, cool. but not too much on social what's, media.
0: What's your Instagram? Right, if you want to plug it. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm actually
1: toying around with different names right now. For our channel, we've been trying to get me a nickname. I still don't have one. On Instagram, <laughs> currently... Build HK, um,
0: uh, we'll see. Might change. You could be like a construction company in Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong Kong. I like that. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thanks for being here. Um, thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. If uh, you can give us a, a comment on our podcast page, that would be awesome. Tweet at us at at Research VR Cast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Research VR Podcast, and um, and today and thank you guys for joining us again um hassan and vasant and thanks for having us thank you guys thanks so much vasant. bye